If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, good to have your company. Second hour of the program, the uh, perfume steamroller herself, Prue McSween, on the program with the biggest stories in Australia shortly, and then Alex Zaha Rothroyd talking cyber and tech, some big stories to tell you all about, some great information as well. How often have we spoken on this program about left-leaning political parties having a problem with supporting Israel in their time of need when so many of their people have been butchered, raped, burnt by Hamas terrorists? So many on the left have had a problem feeling genuine sympathy for what that country went through, no matter how innocent these victims were. And I find that inexplicable. No qualification, just inexplicable. Now, if you want to talk about Israel and killing as many Palestinians as we allege that they have, you bet they have questions to answer and maybe even in the International Court of Justice. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. How could they do such a thing? Maybe we will never, ever know. But again, so often the left-leaning political masters have a problem in finding anything positive or supportive to say about Israel. Take Sir Keir Starmer, the next prime minister of the UK, probably by the end of this year. Starmer had to be dragged kicking and screaming into disowning Azhar Ali, after he took five hours to publicly act over fresh anti-Semitic comments made by the prospective MP. He couldn't get down to putting into context exactly what should have been said as opposed to what was said. Having spent all of Sunday defending the candidate for Rochdale, Ali, who had suggested Israel allowed the Hamas terrorist attack to happen, he received a call late with some bad news. His staff had been alerted to a recording of Mr. Ali railing against some of the people in the media from certain Jewish quarters and accusing Israel of a land grab. It was clear that Sir Keir had made a dreadful mistake in giving the order that Labor should keep campaigning for Mr. Ali. He finally, after five hours, decided that what Ali said was unconscionable. And it was. You can have all the sympathy you can muster for the Palestinians, and we should. So many innocent lives lost. They too should be deemed to be innocent, and absolutely that is the, the case in front of the International Court of Justice where Israel will probably not have to defend itself but will be seen to have been guilty of various crimes against humanity. That is down the track. But to, to have someone who's about to put his hand up and take the reins in the UK as Prime Minister, there is no ambiguity. There should be no ambiguity. He should have got rid of Ali five hours ago. It is front page of the UK Telegraph at the moment because this is the bloke who is going to be Prime Minister and he too has a problem as a left-wing leader of a party in the Western world with supporting Israel. That's going to be a problem for him. Uh, just some Australian news. Justice Michael Lee has found it was reasonable 
for television journalist Lisa Wilkinson to be separately represented in Bruce Lerman's defamation case against her and Network 10, singling, signalling a major win in her claim that Network 10 pay her legal costs. Now, that hasn't actually been signed off on, but that tells the reporters at the case today that it looks like as if Wilkinson will win her case and her million-dollar legal bill will be taken care of by Channel 10. Uh, I don't care what you think of Lisa Wilkinson as an Australian follower of this particular news. Um, at the end of the day, if you're working for a corporation that gives you advice on what you should put to air and they sign off on that advice and they're prepared to allow something to go to where they take the legal responsibility, not the journalist who does the work. Although from what we've heard from the court case, there wasn't much work done by Lisa and a lot more done by her producers. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I've got former television news correspondent and radio host, Long-time panellist on the show Beauty and the Beast. Don't you love Beauty and the Beast when it was on? And feisty contestant on Celebrity Apprentice Australia, plus founder and director at Verve Communications, the one and only Prue McSween. Welcome to TNT. Thanks, Smithy, and all that, and I'm only 25. Yo, unbelievable. You've crammed so much in a short space of life. Amazing. It is, dark. Now... I was telling my audience through the program yesterday about Victoria being plunged into the dark. Uh, yesterday, we heard that up to 500,000 Victorians had no power. This is how precarious renewable evangelism puts your state. It's a classic example, isn't it? Thank goodness. And I really feel sorry for the Victorians, although they voted for this mob. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sorry they're going through it, but I'm dancing on the grave a little bit because, frankly, what do you need to do to make these people understand what they are wishing for? It is net zero. And net zero means no power, and that's what you're going to get. And you've experienced it yesterday, and many other parts of Australia are going to do the same as all this crumble, crumbling infrastructure because none of the players who have been manning this or operating these coal fire stations, the gas stations, they're all going to say, We've got to put our money here when we've got a government that is demonising us. They're going elsewhere. So, you know, we are morons. To allow this to happen, we should be marching in the street. But sadly, ideology has overtaken anybody's brain power. We have fools voting for this. And frankly, you know, this is why I think Albanese is, is considering, from what we hear, going early to the election. There's going to be so many more blackouts, so many examples of this, and finally people may stay at night to wake up. But sadly, the horse, the train's gone. The horse is bolted. Yeah. So we've, we've committed all this stuff. We've allowed power stations to, to close down. Gas, I mean, Origin en Energy today just said, well, they're not going to continue investing in South Australia. You know, we're all going to be facing this, and this is Chris Bowen and the Labor Party and all the fools that have voted for them, and they should be strung up. Yeah, you're right, because there's no science behind this. There's no country in the world that has relied on renewables only 
and uh, turned around and supplied baseload power to their people. It's been tried, especially in Scandinavia. It hasn't worked and it can't work, but we've got a government who says it will because they're just evangelists and they don't like to look at the supply of energy in a critical way, just evangelism for for renewables and saving the planet. I just... I find it just stupid. And you know what? You know what, Prue? I actually am glad that 500,000 didn't have power yesterday because this is the only way um, people who have gone green and think that they can save the planet from Australia right. will wake up. Lights have come on for them in their brains, Smithy. Yeah. You know, but when are we going to talk about nuclear then? When are we? I know Bowen can't even say the word properly, but, you know, this is the point. We've seen it in Europe. We've seen it across America. In India, over the world, people are realising nuclear is the way to go, mm. and yet we have these morons here who cannot admit they've been fools and they're going to continue till the lights go out. Yeah. All right, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, stood up in Parliament yesterday to try and fix what is obviously an uneasy relationship he now has with Indigenous leaders following the voice debacle, because he's done virtually bugger all since that time. He showed lots of concern when he was on his feet, Prue, as you may have seen, over bridging the gap. And he was basically buck-passing, wasn't he? You know, this is a guy who can't say, you know, can't accept no. I'd hate to get him in the bedroom. In fact, I'd hope to get him in the bedroom. I think I'd turn gay. I can't remove that image. Don't. Don't. But you know what I mean? You know, this guy, we have told, given him a resounding no, and he still is relentlessly assaulting us with this ridiculous idea. You all right, love? Oh, I just had a, a shiver went straight through my spine. We have his minister, his Aboriginal Affairs Minister Bernie, who's saying she's actively looking at, at truth-telling in schools. You know, they just are relentlessly assaulting us with this. They've been told no. They're buck-passing it on to the states. Two of the biggest states, Victoria and Queensland, are saying, what, we ain't doing a treaty. They at least have woken up that the bulk mm. of Australians do not support it. But what is ironic to me is a bloke is presenting yesterday the 14th Closing the Gap report. So 14 times shit all has happened. Yeah. And and he's wanting to say that we're on top of this. For God's sake, you know, what it's telling us is that these this industry, these myriad of Aboriginal organisations funded by the taxpayer have failed. Yeah have over the years failed and continue to fail. And this bloke is wanting to appoint a commissioner now. How many hundreds of thousands is that going to cost us? You know, he's looking at a jobs package of 700 million. Well, where's the where are the jobs coming from? Mm. How can you educate kids who are, you know, out in the streets till 3 a.m. in the morning, at 3 a.m. and, you know, going into homes where their parents are, are bashing them up? I mean, it's just absurdity. They have no idea how to fix it. They want to politically, you know, correctly sidestep everything that's a bit icky and nasty. Like, let's address the truth about what's going on in these communities. And we may have to intervene. The intervention that Tony Abbott wanted to do and that Howard wanted to do, you know, was, of course, immediately dissolved when Labor got involved. So, you know, it's very, very sad. We all want 
the Indigenous people and the Indigenous problem to be solved, particularly in, uh, you know, remote communities. I mean, when they haven't even got clean water mm. in these remote communities, we know there's something incredibly wrong with Australia and what we're doing. So this is unforgivable, unforgivable and inexcusable. But get rid of all these these blood sucking and industry, uh, you know, in, in, indigenous industry organisations, and let's put the money in. Give it to a Tony Abbott; he'd fix it. Yeah, yeah. Make him an uh, envoy or something similar. Uh, just two quick. Just before I go to a break, just two quick. Listeners' comments or viewers' comments, mm. may I add, one from Jason in Tassie, and he says, um, first time in three months that I've been able to watch this show, your show, I'm just kicking back and enjoying it immensely. Prue is fantastic. Oh, Jason, love your work. Thank you. Is that Jason McSween, is it? I think it might be my cousin. But... Yeah, yeah. Probably. Um, and one other. Now, you'll like this. This this lady is on your side. Beryl from Mount Waverley in Victoria uh, was trying to comment on the website, but she wanted to tell our call screener exactly her feelings. She just wanted to say how pleased she was that I have removed the moustache so yes. she could see more of me. And uh, thank you very much from Beryl. Is well, that okay? Well, maybe you should do it in the nutty and you can see even more of him. <laughs> what? See, I can't Mark, get that image out of my mind either. And neither can I. Oh, on. But, Beryl, thank you for that great comment. I need to take a break. We need okay. a drink of water. Go and all... have a cool drink. Uh, cool drink, yeah. Prue Swoon back after this on TNT. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I just I just did my eighth test oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform, that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans. That's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, straight down to business with Prue McSween. I spoke to Mark Latham about this earlier in the week, Barnaby Joyce and that boozy tape. Um, Latham was incensed that there are voyeuristic uh, hangers-on that like to snap people when they need a hand and try and make hay and, of course, um, disgrace other people. And I know Barnaby Joyce shouldn't have been in that situation, but seriously, we're human beings. Today, his coalition superiors have asked him to take time off to deal with personal issues. And interesting, the usual left-wing media writer, Jenna Price, in the Sydney Morning Herald wrote a piece saying, I feel sorry for Barnaby Joyce. What do you say? 
So do I. I mean, it wasn't his finest moment. And, you know, we all have all had those unfine moments. And, yep. you know, <laughs> I just find it very interesting and intriguing that, you know, people within his party and, of course, outside it, are using it as an opportunity to, you know, try and dismantle him. Uh, you know, I've, I'm of the view of pick and stick. If you're part of a party in this case and the man is clearly needing, you know, some support now, he's not happy about it, he's embarrassed. Whatever the reasons that it happened, I don't think that politics should come into play. And I understand that even some of the Labor Party have reached out to him and been very supportive, which Isn't I'm glad to hear. But it really does irritate me that, you know, politics is such a dirty game. And, you know, if you can have the feral dogs, you know, at him, they'll do that. Uh, I think it's a shame. We know that Little Proud doesn't, you know, in Barnaby are sort of rivals. And of course, supporters of Little Proud are really coming at, at Barnaby. But you know, he's he's a larrikin, but he's also he makes a lot of sense. And I think he'd be a huge loss for the Nas National Party. And he's also helped on a personal level a lot of people. So, you know, we're not all one-dimensional people. We all make mistakes. I think that there is an issue that Jenna Price interview, where she is normally a lefty, was pointing out to the fact that that whole alcohol culture in the in Parliament House is not healthy. And I don't think being a politician is healthy when you no. think they're taken away from their families for weeks at a time. They're put into this really artificial Can Canberra bubble. It's all backslapping and, you know, doing favours and it's so intense. And I think it's very unhealthy. I can see why relationships form. You know, and I'm not excusing it, but I just think it's not a healthy way for our politicians who are supposed to be making proper the right decisions on our behalf are operating. I think there has to be a better way, but I don't think that will ever happen. There was a report, a Jenkins report. Nothing's ever been come out of it. You know, it's just all optics again, being seen to be doing something about the issues of culture. But really, in the end, it's just more of the same. And I just think it's very sad that Barnaby is in this position. Let's hope he's well and gets gets back to being his best. And just a message to Barnaby, if you want to give up the grog, just give me a call, Barnaby, and I'll let you know it's 14 months for me, so it can be done even Fantastic. for us monster drinkers. Um, Australia Post has become the flying bank of Australia, Prue, taking cash into regional Australia after the banks have closed their regional footholds. Talk me through why they can't have uh, a small foothold in a regional centre and they've got a bail and why we've got Australia Post taking money out in a plane. It's just absurd in this era. But, you know, let's look at these banks, these greedy bastards. And, you know, over the years we've probably all had shares and we, you know, on the one hand we're thinking, oh, we like the fact that they're making billion-dollar profits plus but at the, and, you know, look at our frank dividends. But at the same time, as we all experience, our banks are really bastards. If you have accounts with these people and want, you know, if you ring them and say, listen, I'm just having a cash flow problem at the moment or whatever, they don't want to know about you. Or if they do, they cut you down at the knees and charge you a fortune in service fees and, inter and interest. And what their agenda is, of course, is to force us all online. And we know how, how unreliable that is. If you've ever been caught at a checkout, 
when the you know we lose power or lose transmission and suddenly you can't pay for your groceries or you know do whatever you might be doing at home so you know the banks have an agenda they want to squeeze us they want to squeeze every amount of profit they can out and the poor buggers either the older people who can't find i mean i've had i have to go about four suburbs suburbs to my bank which really irritates me when there was one around the corner uh you know but when you think about the regional people who have to travel hundreds of k's to get money and then if they're lucky they can get cash out because these days you get you get the ninth nine degrees you know what do you want the money for that's Where's right it's my bloody money i'm gonna do i might want to wipe my backside with it but it's my <laughs> money so i'm gonna do why and sometimes i do things i say well i'm going to a brothel or you know i've got a toy i think bugger you you don't need to know what i'm doing with my money it's none of your bloody business and you know so we've got that situation and then we've got all these poor disadvantaged people so look Australia Post needs to make find another business uh, opportunity. Thank goodness they're doing it. But how absurd and what a sad indictment on our banking system that we're forcing people into a cashless situation, which is disgusting. And they say, oh, well, there's no demand for it. Well, the point is, it's because you buggers make it so hard to get our cash. You're forcing the behavioural change and it's bloody disgraceful. And I tell you, I hate banks. If I could put my money under the bed, I bloody would. Yes, I'm with you. But isn't it interesting and fascinating historically that basically we are going back to the early 1800s in doing such a thing when Cobb and Co grabbed the mail, grabbed the money and went into the bush, not too far away, say take Sydney into places like, uh, you know, Castle Hill and other places where they would drop the mail for the post office to to deliver the mail and then the cash would be accessible also at that location. Like we're going back 200 plus years with this stuff. Amazing. The stuff that's happening in this country just, you know, I just think we are a bunch of morons. Yeah, so true. All right, an interesting article finally in the Sydney Morning Herald today arguing that the United States of America can no longer be counted on as the world's cop. Now, I wonder whether that's such a bad thing, Prue. Well, when you look at this country where we're not spending anything on defence and we just, I know that Labor's thinking, and uh, you know, oh, well, America will come to the rescue. Well, they just may not. I can understand what tr Trump's point was. I think he probably had fried his brain a little bit under the uh, heat lamp or the sun lamp <laughs> uh, when he talked about, you know, I'd be happy if Russia did invade one of NATO <laughs> countries. I mean, that was bloody ridiculous and discredits him and devalues what he was saying. But, you know, these Europe in particular has gone for the free ride, as we have. So I admit Australia's the same. We do not contribute. We're supposed to be paying 2% or the NATO countries of 2% of GDP. They're not doing it. So I, I think, good, you know, we cannot rely on America as the, as the global cop and particularly under Biden where, you know, countries are looking at him and saying, you're kidding me, right? We're scared of Biden? No. So 
I think that we all have to wake up to ourselves and man up. We, we, you know, we've never had any vision. It's like with this whole thing with the energy crisis. We are staring at what's going on in the world and it's like what was happening pre the World War II situation. And we're looking at that now from a security perspective at what's happening globally. We're looking at it now with what's happening with our energy, ridiculous renewables obsession. And we're just all thick. We're not seeing the future and it's pointing at us. And it's the same here with Europe and Australia. They're not investing in security. And meanwhile, all our enemies look at us and say, God, they're going to be a breeze to take over. Yeah, you're quite right. All right. Now, I've left the best to last. Um, it's Valentine's Day in Australia. And, you know, I um, I don't want to get too personal at all. Uh, I don't like doing that. But um is the lingerie getting a workout tonight for your husband, Christopher? It'd be lingerie or pasties and a little bit of a thong, you know. <laughs> or maybe we'll just put our nighties on and go to bed like normal. <laughs> With a hot chocolate. With a hot toddy. <laughs> and turn the lights off because it mightn't be a good look. <laughs> <laughs> How times change, Prue. Smithy, have one for me tonight, just in case. <laughs> no, I don't. I doubt that. I doubt that very, very much. Hey, great to have you on the program. Thanks, I, Smithy. I, I um, I, I shouldn't have asked, but anyway, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, Dal. Good on you, Prue McSween. There you go. All the big items, including issues about. Valentine's Day. While we're talking about Valentine's Day, there are all sorts of things that I've been sent from PR groups about what Valentine's Day means. And look, if you want to use it as an excuse to do the right thing by your better half, go for your life. If you want to ignore it, after all, as many people might say, it's just another hallmark event. You just ignore it and get on with your life. Now, at TNT Radio, we uh, never go home. You know that, don't you? We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, I should say, online globally, no matter what. We've got you covered at today's News Talk, TNT. Here we go again. All right, let's go. go. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The US Secretary of Homeland Security has been impeached by the House of Representatives over his failure to address the country's immigration crisis. President Joe Biden's taken a swipe at Donald Trump after he threatened to abandon NATO countries who failed to pay their share of the bloc's defence costs. And roads leading into India's capital of New Delhi have been sealed as thousands of farmers in their tractors make their way towards the city. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. All right. Um, this is one of the highlights of the week because as uh, someone very interested in technology, as we all should, now you can ignore it at your peril, but we need to take advantage of what's going on with AI, what some of the major tech giants like Apple and Samsung and others are doing if we want to last and survive into the future because things are changing very, very quickly, which is why each and every Wednesday we go to Alex Zaharoff-Royt, from the wonderful website techadvice.life, and he's with us right now. Alex, welcome. Smithy, so good to be here with you in the audience. And just remind our 
viewers and our listeners when you're on uh, Australian time Saturday night? Between 6 and 7 p.m. every Saturday night. The show seems to be replayed wonderfully on uh, Sundays and I think Mondays as well. But, of course, it's also available to watch on demand at any time. And it's uh, thanks to you and the people at TNT that I am now uh, here with my own show. So thank you very much. Excellent. All right. Now, the era of AI is underway, so much so that there are some big predictions about AI PCs and Gen AI smartphones. We're about to be swamped by them, aren't we? We are. Now, I heard you mention this on Monday's show. The predictions are good, a tenfold increase in uh, both PCs and smartphones with the capabilities of AI built directly into the uh, AMD and Intel chips that run Windows computers. And as we already know, they've been built into our smartphone and tablet chips for years. But when they talk about this tenfold increase, I mean, is this really a surprise? The part of this is because the next generation of uh, the chips for all of the Android devices, the Samsung S24 has the the chip, uh, the Qualcomm chip with the AI built in, and both AMD and Intel, well, Intel was a bit late to the party, but they're now selling all these uh, Intel chips that have AI built inside. It's called the Core Ultra, and AMD has been selling uh, their chips with AI built in uh, since sort of the, more or less the middle of last year, and they're now selling the second generation ones. So it's about 240 million phones will be sold this year with the AI built in, and that's wow. a huge number. And then it's about 40 or 50 million PCs that will have this. And so the numbers are big, but it's the natural order of things. Uh, if you're going to start stop selling the old models or you're going to emphasize the new models, of course you're going to sell many more of those, and these computers will soon become the norm. Yeah. It's uh, massive. It's what will come next. Now, I noticed that there are various adaptations of, of an AI button going into devices. This will be this will be a thing, won't it? An AI section on um, a keyboard. Yes. Well, uh, Microsoft is already putting a, a Windows Copilot. So it's got the Copilot logo and it's going to be on the right-hand side of the space bar. So that's on Windows computers. On um, Apple Macs, you already have Siri. I mean, you can just ask. You don't have to actually push any buttons. You just talk to to your Siri or Copilot. And this age of, you know, like in Star Trek, where you ask the computer to do this or to do that, to make changes, to search for things, it's just having a natural conversation. Like in that movie, uh, Her with Joaquin Phoenix that I've mentioned many times. I mean, yeah. that age we're just on the cusp of that you can already do it to some degree people have uh, set appointments and reminders and ask siri questions for a decade uh, but you get uh, you go a, sort of a bit beyond two or three sentences in the conversation and you realize that there are limitations but if you chat to chat gbt i'm going to have to interview chat gbt on my show uh, one one of these days and just talk to it as though it's a human and uh, whatever its answers are it will be broadcast it'll be fascinating because it's almost it, it's the closest thing we've ever had to a c3po or a, a robot that can truly answer back as though it was a living breathing person and yeah this this is how we'll all be doing it uh, you know well before the end of this decade um, for many people from this year onwards that will be fascinating. I would tune in to hear an interview like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I show people that you can start talking to ChatGPT, I'm using the Plus version, which has ChatGPT for Turbo. You get simpler answers from the free ChatGPT, but it's it, it's really good. I mean, you can ask it questions. Why do you sound so human? Why do you sound so alive? You can ask it, uh, you know, philosophical questions. I mean, people are using ChatGPT as a therapist. They're, they're pouring their hearts out to this ChatGPT. In fact, one of the stories that, that I had lined up for a bit later, I don't know if we'll get to it now that I'm mentioning it, but in China, there are all these AI boyfriends that the young China Chinese women are talking to they're saying they are better than real men because oh. they're, they're empathetic oh. and they listen how and, dare you know, they, they? <laughs> well, so, I mean, so hang the... on hang on we are surplus to demand now as a male 
<laughs> well, for certain, for certain things, no. But for maybe That's for it. listening, I mean, I mean, one of the things that uh, one of the TNT people uh, sent me, Tom, he does the uh, the the Twitter uh, account. He sent me this picture of this. Uh, like it's a shell and it's see-through and inside there's a, a young Chinese man sitting down and he's playing some, you know, car racing games or space game. And this is the pod that, that the young Chinese women can put their husbands into at the shopping center so that husbands can be occupied. It's like, you know, adult daycare for them whilst they can go off and do the shopping. And it's like, oh, is this coming to a Westfield near us in Australia or the US or the UK? <laughs> that is, hey, come on, it's not bash up the white man day to day. Well, they, they, these were Chinese. I mean, you know, they're, they're definitely not white. So, no, it's, I mean, it's, look, it's a, all a bit of fun. But, uh, yeah, AI is just going everywhere. And as I would have mentioned to you when we were speaking with Dr. Natalia Irushina about three weeks ago, who's also quite an incredible AI brain herself, um, you know, the uh, AI girlfriends on chat GPT in the store, I mean, according to the terms and conditions, the articles I read, they're not allowed, but there's a whole stack of them, the ex-girlfriend, mean girlfriend, you know, you, the, the one who can speak all the different languages. Just so you know, all those dystopian or all those sci-fi uh, dreams of having these electronic beings, I mean, we're at the cusp of all that happening and it's never been more advanced or realistic and it's only going to get better from here. Okay. All right. IBM turns 100 years old. What an incredible history IBM has had. Yes, and look, and funnily enough, they're actually more than 100 years old, depending on how you look at it. They started in the 1800s, so they're one of the, you know, the grandest of granddaddies that are out there with tech. And, I mean, uh, one of the other few companies I can think of that has such a long history is someone like Nokia, who started in 1865 with a simple paper mill, and they got the name from a, a, a nearby town. Now, IBM, if you look at their website, they say they actually celebrated their birthday back in uh, 2014, uh, 10 years ago. But So why is today, why is February 15 in the US, it's tomorrow, or in a couple of days for anyway why this week are they uh, are people saying that they're celebrating 100 years and that's because when they uh, when they were in february 15 1924 they changed their name from the computing tabulating recording company to international business machines or the ibm that we know today and i mean part of the famous story is that they were setting up the census helping the us government to do the census at the time but today you know they say they bring together all the necessary technology and services to help its clients solve their business problems. And they still produce hardware and supercomputers and AI systems like Watson, you know, which uh, I think from memory it beat the, the chess champion. Uh, they, they work a lot with the cloud. They have so many different things. And there used to be a famous saying, nobody ever got fired for IBM. And pretty, I'm pretty sure today that that hasn't changed. Amazing stuff. Now, we talk about batteries on this program quite often. The I guess the inferior ability to actually store power and how it'll be many years before they're, you know, able to be relied on to the degree and the quantity that we need. But you've got a story you're about to tell us about a solar cell that is thinner than an A4 sheet of paper. I find that hard to believe. Well, this is an article from Interesting Engineering, and they say that scientists, including those from the Curtin University in Australia, have built this bendable solar cell that's thinner than an A4 sheet of paper. Now, they already have very thin solar cells, but they can't be bent. And this means that these solar cells can be put around uh, objects so they can actually go around the satellites in the sky, for example. They, they can uh, 
in theory, they can go onto to car panels or roofs or areas that don't have to be flat. If you look at the the very uh, solar panels, that if I look just outside my roof, I mean, they're all flat. They're all quite thick. So these uh, silicon cells can be deployed onto satellites. They can they have very good energy efficiency. Um, they can be rolled into a film. Uh, they can basically work on drones and blimps and even wearable smart devices. So it just gives us the opportunity to be able to harness solar power in many more ways on many more surfaces. I mean, years ago, I heard on one of those Beyond 2000 type programs, which was a program looking at the future that, you know, you could actually paint solar cells onto uh, buildings as part of the paint. But I've never actually seen that come come true. So obviously there were issues with that. So having this uh, very thin solar panels that can pretty much be applied to any surface, uh, round or wavy or whatever it might be, well, it's yet to be fully commercialized, but the boffins have worked on it and will soon no doubt see it. All right. Google has pledged 25 million euros to boost AI skills in Europe. Yes, look, a lot of people are working on on all sorts of uh, th ways to accelerate AI. The tech giant has said here that uh, is open applications for social enterprises and nonprofits that could um, benefit from the, from the training of this giant uh, artificial intelligence sort of uh, you know farm and, and system they want to put into place. They're also going to have uh, growth academies. They want to support companies using AI to scale their companies. They've expanded their online AI training courses to 18 languages. And they also said they're going to invest a billion dollars into building a data center outside of London. Now, it's only last week, I think after we spoke on the show, that uh, Google finally announced that they were uh, launching their Google Gemini Ultra. They don't have the bard name anymore. It's called Gemini Ultra. And this is something that can, can compete with GPT-4 Turbo, which currently is the world's most advanced AI system from OpenAI. Google has launched theirs. And we know that in the next quarter, in the next three or so months, there's going to be GPT-5 and Google's Ultra is only version one. So they have a lot of reason to get people to want to be using their AI, not the one from Microsoft or Facebook or OpenAI or anybody else. They've been leaders in AI for a long time and they've got plenty of cash. They've got you know billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. So splashing a bit of the cash around to uh, in advanced Western economies like the UK, it's a smart move. And I'm sure they'll be doing it elsewhere. Why they're not doing it here in Australia, I don't know. Uh, they're probably worried that we have too many bozos in charge and waiting for the next government, perhaps. <laughs> oh, dig that uh, dig that knife in at the right time. I love it. We've got to go to a break. Um, we'll do that right now, Alex. Stay right where you are. He is from techadvice.life. We're talking cyber. We've got a stack more to talk to talk about. And if you've got a question for Alex, um, you know, people like to write on the chat box and that's fine. They type up their questions and their views about technology and where AI is headed, well, get on the talkback lines and ask a question and have your express your views about your fears or your uh, confidence in AI or anything associated with technology, devices, your phones, your new devices or whatever. Just jump on those talkback lines from the United States or Canada on one 201 6425 from the UK. 033-0024-1026 and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. We'll take a break and come back again with Alex and our cyber segment right after this on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I really don't understand how this trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein is continuing. And I don't know if Dr. Mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial. There are so many holes in his argument. It is hard to believe. I don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it. And I've talked about this before. One of the biggest problems I have is he won't let anyone look at his data, at least 
no one that is skeptical of his data, and that should raise red flags. Now, I've talked about this many, many times. You can go and look at what the global temperature does. When it's warm in the eastern and central part of the United States and warm across Europe, usually the global temperature is elevated. Now, when it's cold in those areas, believe it or not, the global temperature is actually colder. The problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Prescription drug pricing points to corporate mountain. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom and your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important That's to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, now, Apple and uh, their update on iOS 17.31 is needed to be updated because it's fixing a problem that you have detected already. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, I was noticing that when I had 17.3, I mean, you had the wonderful, um, you know, stolen device protection mode that people should switch on, which makes it hard for people to steal your phone if they're targeting you in a pub or somewhere like that. But uh, I noticed that when I'm typing messages or typing things into email or, or notes or somewhere, that as you're typing the line above would appear in the line below and and it was like overwriting the text. And if you kept typing, you notice that it jumped back. But uh, if you weren't sort of um, keen enough to be able to just keep going, you would sort of wonder what's going on. Why, Under why what circumstances being, would this do that? Just typing messages into SMS messages, typing emails into Gmail, just whenever you were typing. So, I mean, big problem, right? Because it's, yeah. it's uh, changing the text of what you're seeing. And look, because I type so fast, I noticed it flick and then flick back. And I was noticing that if I just kept going, it would fix itself, but obviously quite disconcerting. Now, online, a lot of people said they hadn't noticed it. So I don't know what sort of an intermittent problem it really was. But when I saw people were saying that, hey, 17.3.1 is there, and it not only contains bug fixes for your iPhone and your iPad, but it addresses an issue specifically where text may unexpectedly duplicate or overlap while typing. And since I've put the update on, the problem has gone away and right. whew, it's a relief. Right. Okay. So people should be looking out for it and make sure they um, do the usual, update their Apple smartphone and get rid of that bug. Absolutely. And there's updates for your watch and your Mac and for everything. Check updates, as, as we always say, for everything when you're in update mode. Now, I know that tech people can be rather nerdy at times and they've got tech for this and tech for that and tech watches and tech glasses and you name it. But this yeah. is a bit weird. Some Tesla drivers 
are actually wearing their Apple Vision Pro headsets when they're driving, Alex. What's wrong with these people? Well, the thing is, I mean, and we did sort of mention this briefly and amongst a whole range of different scenarios where people over the past couple of weeks where they've been using, certainly I've spoken about it on my show as well, and there are people who are filming people driving down the road. They're in their Tesla. The Tesla is driving autonomously, which is possible in the US because they have a lot more data and, you know, it's just, it's a much more common thing over there. And so these people have got the headsets on and whether they're actually doing it for Instagram or Twitter or TikTok clout, you know, they've got their friends filming them or not, they've got the headset on and they are spatially computing. So although they can see out and they can see the road in front of them because you can see through the headset, at least because it's got the cameras, they're able to, to move things around, look at emails, look at messages, type on the keyboard, use their voice to dictate text and ask Siri to open things and do things. And so they're actually living the dream. They're able to be driven around wherever they want to go and they can use that time much more productively. They don't have to have their hands on the steering wheel and they can be doing stuff in the yeah, minority report style. I mean, that sci-fi reality is real. Now, already this has caused, um, you know, the US authorities to be uh, concerned uh, because of all the videos that are out there. And so uh, we're, we're seeing warnings from Pete Buttigieg, who's saying, reminder, all advanced driver assistance systems available today require the human driver to be in control and fully engaged in the driving tasks at all times. And so they're basically saying, you know, driving while wearing a VR headset is reckless and disregards the safety of everyone on the road. But the reality is that within a few short years, everyone will have these glasses on that will provide all, all this information. It'll have your GPS, your mapping, it'll show you your speed. Much It's like a heads-up display, but it's right there. And in Are fact, you if you lose your glasses... That, that will be the future. Yeah, absolutely, because we're already, we're already stuck to our phones looking at them. If you can have it in your line of sight and it can be transparent and you can sort of move it away when you need it and bring it back and use your eyes and your voice, you know, it, the, we see, we, we're looking out. And to have to take our attention away to look at the phone is, uh, you know, it's distracting. Right now I'm looking at a teleprompter. Uh, I mean, most of it's coming from my head because I've read all this text and I know it. But the, the information we're going to talk about is there. So I'm able to look directly at you and still see this information in the background. If I had the headset, which looked like a normal pair of glasses, and in fact, someone has just launched a normal pair of glasses uh, from a company called Frame, uh, but obviously it's still you know early days, but they, they don't have the big, you know, insect-like uh, eyes. It just looks like a normal pair. Of, look, It looks a bit like that disguise where they had the, the funny nose and the eyebrows, you know, the, the disguise glasses you put on, but it doesn't obviously have those funny eyebrows and the nose, but it reminded me of those glasses. And in the video, you can actually see through them and you can see the text. Someone's talking to you and it's translating to another language. You can do visual searches. I mean, again, the sci-fi stuff we've read about for 50 to 70 years from people like Isaac Asimov and others, it's all finally coming true uh, in the 2020s. There is a lot of it coming true. You're quite right. All right. Apple Watch um, has saved a man who was suffering from atrial fibrillation, but he didn't even know it. Yeah, this is a, a common thing. Atrial fibrillation is where the heart stops beating properly. And uh, what can happen is that if you're stuck in this fibrillation mode, within 24 to 48 hours of being in this fibrillation mode, you can have a stroke and you can die. And uh, the the guy's watch, this guy was a guy in the US, was giving him these notifications, but he wasn't paying much attention. But when his wife noticed it, she had a look and it said, oh, you've got atrial fibrillation. So, so, he, they, so in that app, that new Apple watch, as we've discussed before on the program, there is a heart monitor, right? Yes, yes. They've had a heart monitor since the very beginning in 2015, but it was more for your pulse and your heartbeat. Yeah. It wasn't actually detecting things like atrial fibrillation. That came in 2015. 
22 with one of the new watches at the time. And look, the Samsung watches have it, other watches have it too. But there's been many stories of people who have been told by their watch that there's something wrong with their heart. And in fact, a friend of mine in Sydney, a very good friend of mine, he actually got the same message from his watch and he went straight to hospital. They hooked him up to these machines and tested him all out and you know verified that the watch was correct, put him on various uh, drugs and now his heart is, is fine. But if it's something where it's a silent killer. If you don't get it looked at, uh, and your heart is stuck in this mode. Normally, they have to shock your heart back into rhythm. Uh, and his, because he took the drugs, it sort of jumped itself. And he was at some golf thing, and he said, oh, I could feel it when it jumped back. So uh, if you're wearing one of these intelligent smartwatches, if it's giving you a, a warning of some sort, pay attention. It yeah. may be the warning that saves your life. Yeah, very, very true. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl 2024 and how popular it was. It was a most incredible game, a most incredible game. The wrong team won, but anyway, that's a mute point. But um, I could imagine what the numbers were. Well, look, there, there were more people who were watching the Super Bowl than in any previous Super Bowl. I've got some of the figures here. So there was 123.4, which is a beautiful numbers, one, two, three, four. 123.4 million viewers is the second most watched TV program in history after the Apollo 11 moon landing. And if wow. you look at the top 10... The, the all the the other ones three to ten are all Super Bowls as well. So look, I'm sure Taylor Swift uh, appearance and apparently she was only on screen for less than a minute, but her appearance obviously helped to goose the numbers. And uh, the uh, you know I was actually seeing people who were watching the Super Bowl through their Apple Vision headsets. They had the main TV in front of them, but actually down in front of them, they could look down. They could see a graphical representation of the the the, the you know, all the different yard lines and and the field. They could look on this side and they were having all the different player stats. I mean, it's a completely different experience. If you just type into Google or to X, you know, watching Super Bowl uh, 2024 on an Apple Vision Pro, I'm sure you'll find the video. It, it sort of takes that immersion into a whole new level. But yeah, this was the most popular Super Bowl yet. I mean, people complain that it's four hours of, you know, this and that for about 11 minutes of actual football. <laughs> but it was there with us. And of course, all the commercials are very, uh, always super popular as well. And people love to go online these days and watch all the commercials as well to see which was the coolest one. There was a big fallout and a lot of criticism about the fact that during the broadcast, they flicked over a shot to Taylor Swift on 11 occasions during the, the time. Look, given how long the, the game goes for, 11 occasions isn't much for one of the greatest, most popular uh, and sensational singers of all time. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I necessarily share your absolute enthusiasm for how wonderful Taylor Swift is, but look, she's undeniably popular. She's undeniably successful. She's selling out globally. Her era's tour has been huge. I mean, there's already been a movie about it. And I mean, every time she goes out somewhere, I'm sure all the cameras professionally are there capturing ever more angles and content, and she'll be pumping out content for years to come. Apparently, she's made, you know, billions of dollars on this and would no doubt be getting a very healthy slice of, of those profits and huge amounts of merchandise and all the rest. Uh, again, I read somewhere that despite Eleven times they threw to her. She was only on time for only on on air for a very short amount of time. But you know, somebody was also joking that the the, the front cover of the Madden twenty twenty five NFL football game, which is you know and Madden. Uh, NFL is one of the big games on Xboxes and PlayStation mm, where you yeah. can play sport. And the, the instead of the football players, the the picture on the front was Taylor Swift. Right? <laughs> Does she play now too? Does she? <laughs> well, I think she's playing us all and she's very good at it. Yes. And, and look, I want to get to this um, Telstra. Two two quick stories about Telstra. Firstly, they've got a 5G update. What's happening with their 5G? 
Sure. Well, this is, is allowing them to have 340 megabit per second upload speed. So that's 100 times faster than when we first went to 3G. And you know, uploads are very important. I mean, we're always obsessed about downloads, 100 megabit download, 250 megabit, 500 megabit, a gigabit download. And downloading is important. You want to get your Netflix and all the different things that you use downloads for. But uploading is super important too. You've got to back up to the cloud. You've got to, whenever you're, whenever you're talking to somebody on, on a Zoom or a Teams call, the fact they can see you is because you are uploading. So the faster uploading you have, the more devices in your home can be backing up and sharing information at the same time from security cameras, from all sorts of things. And, uh, you know, although we have uh, one gigabit upload speeds in Hong Kong because they've got fiber, in Australia, the upload speeds, you know, 50 to 100, maybe 200 if you're lucky. You've got to pay more for it. So the fact that Telstra has updated their 5G something called 5G standalone, uh, to be able to have these faster speeds in this sort of test, it's a great sign that, you know, upload speeds and download speeds continue getting ever faster. And whether you're wired or wireless, you'll be able to take part in it. Yeah. And finally, tell us about uh, the project that Telstra has got involved with, the world's largest low earth orbiting satellite. Yes, well, this is from a company called OneWeb, and they're a competitor to uh, to um, Sp SpaceX and Starlink from Elon Musk, and also a competitor uh -huh. to uh, Amazon. And there's a number of companies who are out there. I've always wondered. He, he was Elon Musk. He's dominating the space in yeah. terms of satellite connection. Why aren't more firms doing similar things to what he's doing? Well, th that's absolutely happening. He does not have. The uh, the uh, monopoly on that. This uh, OneWeb is a company that's been doing it for a long time. They want the world's largest low Earth orbiting satellite uh, backhaul uh, and and system. Amazon is is also putting up a whole stack of satellites into the sky. Other companies are doing it too because they don't want uh, you know they want to have competing networks, competing systems. But what what Telstra is doing is initially, and this is in addition to the announcement they already made with uh, SpaceX with Elon Musk Starlink to uh, have this uh, for mobile phones directly, you know, getting mobile and data calls directly to mobile phones. But this one is for people in Telstra's most remote mobile customers to get a seriously enhanced experience of making voice and video calls and using data. And look, the, until we invent teleportation, the tyranny of distance is not totally dead, but this goes a heck of a long way to dramatically reducing it to, to levels unseen before. You can be in the most remotest of areas and Telstra is going to have coverage there for you through this particular uh, you know, partnership, which is just a wonderful thing. Now, something that um, I sort of came across today, I think you sent it to me, um, was about Mazda and Mazda having to pay $11.5 million in Australia for misleading consumers. What's that story about? Yes. Well, this is from, I'm just bringing it up actually on my computer right now, but this is from the ACCC and they're saying that Mazda needs to pay $11.5 million in Australia for misleading consumers about consumer guarantee rights for serious vehicle faults. Now I've got Mazda, I've got a couple of Mazdas. I really like Mazda, but when these large companies are giving wrong information to consumers, especially in Australia where we have really you know, strong consumer protection laws. Well, the Australian Consumer and Competition Commission, they seem to be uh, toothless tigers when it comes to uh, petrol prices and the supermarkets overcharging us. But when it comes to other consumer protections like this, they can be very strong. And uh, this has seen the federal court ordering Mazda to pay this money for engaging in misleading and deceptive conduct. So uh, there are 49 separate false or misleading representations, they say, to nine consumers, only a small number of consumers. But That's a lot of cars, though. $11.5 million is a lot of cars, Alex. It is, it is. And, and but you know, when, when if people like Mazda or 
or TO or anybody is uh, having customers that are experiencing recurring and serious faults, well, I'm glad to see that sometimes, you know, government action is good. I mean, usually it's not, but in this case, it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic that they've actually, um, you know, got them over the line to pay the money. It's good for consumers. Fantastic. I've better go, Alex. Thank you so much for your time. Wonderful. And uh, please join me on Saturday between 6 and 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And I'll be with you next Wednesday, Chris. Thank you so much. Good on you, mate. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Tech uh, advice.life is the website. Techadvice.life and all of what we've discussed and more, uh, an extended version of everything we've discussed, you will find on that website uh, very shortly after this program. So it's good to have Alex with us on a Wednesday. I've run out of time. The uh, sands on the hourglass are getting to the bottom, so I better run. Dean Mackin is up next. You enjoy what's left of your day, night, and we'll come back and do it again, get together at the same time. This is Chris Smith on TNT. TNT.